This is Stu Sweet from Valparaiso, Indiana, and this WBEZ podcast is made possible with the support of listeners like me. I use WBEZ to recharge my mind the way I use food and sleep to recharge my body. Who's the what is going to be? When? Where, where do I? Why is it called? How many? Who's the most? How many people? I was wondering. When are we going to get our? What? You're listening to the Curious City Podcast from WBEZ Chicago. You ask the questions, we answer them together. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Ali, Curious City editor. And for those of you who are not familiar with Curious City, it's basically WBEZ's news gathering experiment where you give us questions and we all find answers together. And speaking of togetherness, I have WBEZ arts and culture reporter Allison Cuddy with me here right now. Hello, Sean. Hey there. So, Allison, you took on a Curious City question. Why don't you lay that on us right now? What was the question and what was this all about? It was all about the Chicago International Film Festival. It's the longest running competitive film festival in North America. And one of the stalwarts of the fest is the logo. And it caught the attention of John Laffler, who owns a microbrewery here in Chicago. He wanted to know whose ubiquitous eyes are on the poster for the film festival. And is she single? Nice question. Nice question. And for people who are not familiar with the logo, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it looks like? Sure. Yeah, it's it's kind of very silent film era. It's black and white, this sort of large, languid pair of eyes, you know, outlined in dark shadow and eyeliner. And there's a real air of mystery about those eyes. So to find out more, we brought together Michael Kutza, who's run the festival its entire 49-year history, with John Laffler. And Laffler started by talking a little bit more about what caught his eye. For years, I've lived in Chicago, and I've always seen the icon for the film festival um, and just never really understood who it was, like, who's actually, whose eyes they are, because they're so catching, they're so seductive and, and nuanced. Uh, I think it's just an amazing logo, and just never knew who it was. So you want you want the answer to this, I suppose? Yeah, I guess so. Let me tell you some some funny things before I give you that answer. One year we had um, Liza Minnelli. We were doing an event with her, and she said, hmm. "Isn't that great?" And you've got my eyes on the poster. I said, "No, it's not your eyes." Oh, <laughs> one year. This is so far away. I used to work at the Venice Film Festival and do things, and I had some of our stuff there. And Charlie Chaplin was alive, and he says, you're using my eyes. I said, it's not you. Those are the two funniest mm-hmm. of the eyes story. But it really goes back much, much further. And I brought some stuff that you can't see on radio, but the logo was never that until about 1967. My first t- When I first designed the festival and the logo, it was very simplistic. It was the globe of the world, a simple one. And the word Chicago National Film Festival wrapped around it, and it went that way for the first year. And the second year, I got involved with a local photographer named Victor Skribneski, and I said, you know, our festival, we've got to get people to come to it, and it's got to be made sexier. We need something. And he said, don't worry, I'll, I'll do something and give me your logo. So I gave him the logo, and he put it on a, on a very sexy girl's glasses, her sunglasses. So we played around with that. But throughout this whole period of time, my mentor and the lady that helped me start the film festival was a, a silent film star named Colleen Moore. And she moved to Chicago. She was, in the 20s, the most successful comedian in film, silent film. She was with part of the D.W. Griffith and Charlie Chaplin and Mary Pickford era. And here she is, she retired in Chicago, 
and she helped me with the first film festival and introduced me to some amazing people that were her buddies in the old days. So you had Lily and Gish came through and we're sitting around talking. and Just Mer- sitting around talking with Lily and Gish. Lily and Gish. And she was like, yeah, I'm 22. So Lily and Gish was about 90. And she said, yeah, I got a new book. And all of these these people, the Myrna Loys, the Joan Crawford, they're all hanging out with this lady, Colleen Moore, here in Chicago. And they'd hang out at the pump room. You know the pump room over there, on which is still here? And I get to meet them all, and they're all iconic, and they all have a face, and they're all of that same era. And Colleen herself looked like where I was going with the logo, which happened in 1967, which basically is a combination of all of these women of an era. They all had the eyes. They all had the hair. Between Theta Barra and um, God, who's a Mae Murray. There's so many of them, and they, they all have the same look. But when you put them together and you take the eye, the hair, and the this, you come up with the symbol. And by putting sprockets on one side, it wasn't a piece of film. It was something that didn't really exist, but it was symbolic of film, let's say. I did a silkscreen of it, and I was a graphic artist, and played around with it, and it became um, where I wanted to go with it. And we just kept refining it year after year, and it's been with us now for 49 years. <laughs> so do these names mean anything to you, John? Embarrassingly, no, they don't. No, I would. <laughs> well, um, it's, it's, a, it's an era of film that I just don't know much about. Yeah, but you've no, of course you know Charlie Chaplin. Yeah, yeah that, that I have heard before. And the women of his era, um, most of which he had sex with, but that's not important. <laughs> <laughs> was to him. <laughs> <laughs> and children with, too. Um, <laughs> looked like the same generic... Remember, all these things are black and white. And they were, it's like today with high-definition television. You have extreme white makeup on the women's faces and extreme black because of the film, the, the quality and, and the nature of the lighting and everything. And the extreme, even even in, in, uh, with Colleen, it's just the way they were made up. And it just sort of comes out as a symbolic look. Anyway, this, this, this lady... Um, it was a great influence on my life and the film festival. And so from the very first film festival here in Chicago back in 65, we had Betty Davis and King Vidor, a famous director of that era, and Stanley Kramer, and and you name it. They were all at the very first film festival because she was. they were her friends. They said, come on, come out of this thing. We didn't have an audience, but we had a lot of movie stars. <laughs> it took a while to get Chicago to fall in love with the film festival. It's fascinating because... Uh, Colleen lived across from the pump room. She lived over at uh, 1320 State Parkway. And those days, you really, you you came to Chicago by the train, uh, and your train stopped in Chicago, and you, you stayed overnight at the Ambassador East or West, and you usually had breakfast or lunch at the pump room. Then you took the train the next day to, to California. And this became this, the focal point of, of traveling. This was before the airplanes, big deal. And... Um, you took the 20th century something or other, limited the train, and then another went on to L.A. Fascinating life back then. And Colleen is remembered today not for her films because she's, she's like, in the, you've seen Singing in the Rain, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. That's sort of her story, too, when sound came in. Oh, she, she went out. Just... She went out. It, that's, it's really a, a prophetic film. I enjoy the film a lot, but it, it, it is the way it was. So she couldn't make it in sound. And she did something clever. In fact, it's out at the Museum of Science and Industry. There is something called the Colleen Moore Dollhouse. 
don't know if you've ever heard of that or seen it. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it was any association with this lady. She built a miniature dollhouse, and all the famous people in her life contributed little things for it. It's something, it's something you should go out and see. It's still there. Very much. It's a big focal point uh, besides the coal mine and all the push buttons you do at the Museum of Science History, the Colleen Moore dollhouse. And it's um, her life in the film business in, in this fairy castle that she built. Fascinating thing. So your background is in graphic design, Michael. It is in so many things. I was making movies when I was like eight years old. A filmmaker. What were you making movies about? That's an interesting story. I was telling you earlier that I come from a medical background. Yeah. Mother, father, aunts, uncle. Everyone's a doctor. So you're sort of forced into becoming, thinking about becoming a doctor. So I, let's say... Let's see. My mother was these. Are, I had older parents. So I still think I'm adopted somehow along the way. But my mom was OB gynae, and she was at Mother Cabrini Hospital. My dad was a surgeon. He was at St. Mary's Hospital. So my mother always had a camera with her, a movie camera. Don't ask me why. I just know that she did, and she traveled with all these lady doctors around the world for different conventions. I guess it was unusual women doctors back in that era, whatever we're talking about. And she had a camera with her, and she'd come back and. I'm just a kid, a very independent adult kid, because when you have professional parents, you become an adult early in the game. And she'd come back and she'd say, Here, here's the film. Make this into something. The doctors are coming over Sunday. <laughs> so I just forgot. So I'm, I'm given this film and I make it into a, you know, a movie, Mad Sound, and all this stuff for these women. And um, you just sort of get hooked, and then that continued making movies in high school and college, and recruitment films for the fraternity and all those things. And it continued on. It made a short film, won an award, and it got hooked on the festival scene. Didn't become that doctor, by the way. I think I killed my folks. Yeah, I got away with murder. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, <laughs> that's the background. <laughs> so got the degrees in biology and psychology and all the things I was supposed to do and went on and did a post-grad in design, which I've always loved doing. So did logos for corporations and things as well as making movies and the festival. The festival started in 65. <laughs> well, actually, it started – it did. It's the first visible festival. Sixty. It took a year to begin. So 64 of planning it and getting um, – the volunteers to put it together. Volunteerism is is the secret to putting any nonprofit together, and um, some loyal loyal people. A brewery as well. Oh, absolutely. We yeah. we, we exist on volunteer labor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you have better product. I mean, you've got some you've got oh. beer, and you can. People will do a lot of things for a case of beer. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We work for eight hours in a non-temperature controlled <laughs> environment. We'll give you a case of beer at the end. <laughs> oh, by the way, you get to package it. Yeah. All I can offer you is free movies. I guess it works, though. Well, that's magic right there. Yeah, though. it is. Yeah. It does work. So yeah. you said that Colleen Moore was the inspiration. Was it? Did she actually help you with the design, or was it just looking at her in this group of Hanging women? Hanging around all these old broads. <laughs> well, okay, old broads. This is what I wanted to ask, because the second part of John's question was, is she single? <laughs> When Colleen gave up the film industry, yeah, she moved to Chicago because she married a man named Homer Hargrave, and he was the head of Merrill Lynch. So she became Colleen Moore Hargrave. They had children here, and um, the success story of um, then he died, and she was this lonely, rich widow, I guess you'd say. 
And I was introduced to her by a man named Irv Cupson. Does that mean something to you yeah. from the Chicago Sun-Times? Yeah. I know he's nothing to you over here, I know. What was he? He was... Um, he was like the society... Was yeah, it, gossip. Was it gossip? Was it society? What was Irv Cupson? It was like a Walter Winchell type kind of guy, right? It was everything in the business. So I made my little short film. I got this award, and I said, you know, I want to do something with it. And, and Cup, we became friends. He said, you want to do something with movies? You know, you should meet this lady. She's a widow, and she's been she's been playing this widow role too long. It's time for to get her out of that shell, and you're, you, you too. You, you're going to be perfect together. And it was just like amazing. I have, Suddenly I had a new mother, which my real mother didn't like, but then I had a new one. I had a movie star mother. She was absolutely fascinating. If you ever have a chance to see any of her films, they're, they're hard to come by because, you know, in those days nobody saved film and they didn't protect them, so they were destroyed. And she spent a lot of her life as an older woman trying to find the pieces of her films in the world the Cinematheque in Russia or something, little bits and pieces. There's always somebody new discovering a new part of a Colleen Moore film, and they're, they're delightful because she, she was the first comedian. And we've shown with the festival over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess next year is our 50th anniversary, and we should do a whole evening of, of Colleen Moore stuff, that's for sure. What yeah. other questions do you have, John? Uh, the thing that I, always strikes me about it is there's so much emotion, um, and I, I find myself projecting a lot onto, on, onto the image. Um, so I guess that what I'm curious is, is what does it mean to you? Uh, what do you? How do you think she's feeling? What What do you feel when, when you look at her eyes? Because they're just so visually striking. Yes, they're, they're, they're not about to cry. Oh, no. No, no. They're, no. they're, 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 they're and, wide. They're, yeah, they're, they're wide yeah. open and uh, they're seductive, you know, to draw you into into her and the film. And by purposely not putting sprockets on the other side, of, this could never have gone through a projector, of course. It is real, and that was part of the fantasy of it. This was a wonderful conversation. Well, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking the question to bring us all together here. Hi there, this is Sean Ali again. You know, we owe Michael Kutza a big thanks, not only for this interview with Allison Cuddy, of course, but he gave us permission to show those logos that he's talking about here. You can see them at wbez.org slash Curious City. And while you're at our website, you can also see a picture of the woman who inspired the logos in the first place. We also want to give a shout out to John Laffler for coming up with such a terrific Curious City question. We love hearing more of those. And by the way, we actually need them. Curiosity just doesn't work without them. So go to wbez.org slash curiosity and leave a question of your own about the city or the suburbs or wherever you consider to be your neck of the woods. Curious City is produced by WBEZ Chicago Public Media, Ziga, and AIR, the Association of Independence in Radio. Our senior producer is Jennifer Brandel. Sean Ali edits the series, and Logan Jaffe is our multimedia producer. The Curious City podcast is mixed by Sarah Liu with help from Mickey Capper. You can subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or listen to our back catalog in SoundCloud. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at WBEZ Curious City. Lead financial support for Curious City comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. 
Chicago Public Media creates award-winning content about the issues that affect our community, our nation, and our world. More information is available at chicagopublicmedia.org. Thanks for listening. Catch you next week. Sometimes you just need a quick overview of the news. Meantime, it was chaos today at the Chicago City Council. A Chicago cop with a controversial past is running for judge. Other times you're looking for a deeper understanding of what's going on in the city. Wow, that's so, no one has asked me that question. The Rundown Podcast has all of that, and it's Chicago-based, so you know what's up in your neighborhood and across town. Listen to The Rundown wherever you get your podcasts or at wbez.org slash rundown. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.